This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 78 of the Stacey West podcast. As ever, I'm Ben and I'm joined by Gary. How are you? I'm ready. You're ready? I'm ready. Yeah. It's been it's been an evening because I'd quite like to find the person responsible for the current state of the roadworks in Lincoln and do unmentionable things to them. Where are the roadworks? Because so, I've been um, at the fucking everywhere. <laughs> That's where they are. <laughs> I've been at the ground today. Of, uh, I'm doing the the priory thing again, um, and just coming up Broadgate at like three o'clock in the afternoon. It's just queued all the way back. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see traffic where I am. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I think that Louth is busy if I'm three cars deep at a traffic light. So I've got no tolerance whatsoever for traffic. Oh, it's it's a nightmare at the minute. It really is. But um, yeah, half an hour to do a two mile journey. It's oh, it's ridiculous. Anyway, um, we're we're gonna do something slightly different this week because obviously we didn't. Well, we don't have a game this coming Saturday. So. Um, firstly, I think I'm probably gonna we said we're probably gonna just talk a little bit about um, last week's special podcast because it, it kind of came together quite quickly. We we mentioned it on the week before's podcast, and we've not really had much of a chance, um, even just between the two of us, really, to, to sit down and, and talk about it, have we? No, it's, um, no. So it's, uh, I, I was actually really I was really pleased with with how it came out, aside from my bit of a ramble that I, I snipped out and had Dean asking me if it was uh, going to be released in some kind of epic Lord of the Rings director's cut um, <laughs> <laughs> version, which I can assure you it won't be. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, I thought it was a really good, uh, really good chat. Clive came across really well. I thought he's, uh, um, he's, uh, his sort of business history and everything. He came across that he, that's, that's where his history is. If you like, you know, he's, he's very much a businessman, but he was not afraid to, to talk about, the stuff that affects the fans in a way that a fan understands. And I thought, you know, some of his knowledge on um, some of the football and stuff that he was talking about was, he was encyclopedic at some points, wasn't he? When he particularly was going on about specific games in, in Premier League history or Everton's history or another club's history, it's like, wow, 
you know, it, it was it was refreshing to hear a chairman talking like that about football in general and not just their club, wasn't it? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, um, I, I I just want to point out firstly to my mate Dave, uh, it was Clive opening and closing the door in the background, so that's cleared <laughs> that up. Um, I've actually found it quite touching because I've got uh, like my mates Dave and Matt who have both sat next to me at various points. Matt's sitting next to me now, but they're like friends of mine from way back. We're all at primary school, kind of more or less together, and it's just fascinating to have them actually listen um and matt mm. who is not a man who praises very often uh, praised the podcast so oh, it comes across very well uh, which is uh, genuinely it's like getting a telegram from the queen um because matt won't give <laughs> matt won't give praise out like he's, he's a he's not a bad bloke but he, he you know if he praises you it's good and um, i actually didn't think it was that good of a podcast if i'm honest um, I felt quite nervous through it. I, I think I bumbled over a couple of questions and I just felt um, in there, I actually felt a little overawed because Clive has this um, aura. It's not anything that he does, uh, anything in particular at all. It's just that whole, you know, he saved our football club. And it, I know it's I know it's a collective and I know that it runs much deeper than one man, but it's like if this man hadn't come in, I probably wouldn't have a football club to support. And mm-hmm. with his questions, you could tell he'd got his business background because as you were asking the questions, you know, he, he's very intense um, when he's looking and you and there's, there was a people mightn't have noticed a pause after every question because before he started answering, he always took a split second just to consider. And mm. yeah, I got a real impression of um, Clive, as you just mentioned, the businessman as well. Uh, mm. But yeah, I mean, mix, mixed in with that, there was this passion for the club. And it was hard because at times I felt like we were talking to a, a fan who had been at the club since since the 80s, since the 70s. And at other times it felt like we were talking to, you know, the, the overseas investor. And I think mm. that he wears both coats very, very well. Um, listening back it wasn't actually a bad podcast. And I think mm. not when I say not much phases me, it's a lie because everything does. Um, but I can, like when we did the Michael Appleton one, you kind of, once you get into the flow of it, you know, mm. I enjoyed it while we were doing it. Whereas the Clive one, I didn't enjoy it while I was doing it. The best bit was the three quarters of an hour or whatever we spent afterwards sat chatting when the mics were yeah. off and I felt then that the pressure was off. So um, from my point of view, yeah, I found it quite tough, but I think it, it worked out well in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think I was very much the same um, in that it was, I, I sort of knew at the time, it's like, okay, this is good. We're getting some answers. And, you know, he, you don't, I wouldn't have expected it from Clive anyway, but he was very, um, he was very forthcoming with, with what he had to say. And like you say, he was, he was making that, that little, the little pause in between each thing, just considering the answer before giving it. And I thought, you know, you could have had somebody that, that would just sit there and, and not give you answers and, and not, ask you know just stonewall the questions but fair play to him he answered everything we put in front of him and i think it was um it, it's it's nice you know it was nice to get to know him a little bit more as well like you say particularly the stuff afterwards but um yeah there was some some bits there about uh some of the stuff from saturday which undoubtedly came up um or was going to come up but yeah, yeah really good I also, sorry to cut you off, I also found it quite interesting when he was talking about the players that we'd almost signed. Um, mm. I must admit, I don't know who the one is that flew in and was intercepted at the airport. No, that's that's not what I'm aware of. The one that was here and wanted to sign and obviously went off somewhere else, um, my understanding at the time was that that was Ollie Hawkins. Um, oh, okay. Ollie, as the day that we didn't sign Simakanola, uh, I was told that we'd got Hawkins in the building agreeing to come to Lincoln, done and dusted. And then Portsmouth 
swooped in and he drove, he left here at like seven in the morning and he was in a Portsmouth shirt just after lunchtime. So um, yeah. I'm not quite sure how he got there. Certainly didn't didn't have to go through Lincoln traffic, did he? <laughs> didn't there that quickly. <laughs> no, if, he, if, he, if he had to get anywhere in, on deadline day for Lincoln traffic, you might as well just stay here and sign with us for life. It's, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I was, was in- under the impression that that was um, I was under the impression that was George Grant. If I'm honest, the first time around. Oh, okay. No, no, what I understood from Grant the first time round was that he came to watch us against Swindon, uh, met Danny and Nicky and and the team in the hotel, either before or after the Swindon game, might have been the night before, that then travelled up. I think he met him in the night before, verbally Uh, agreed to sign, then travelled up to Mansfield for their game on the Saturday uh, and was blown out of the water, obviously, um, by Mansfield. So, okay, but yeah, I, I, it's just it was just interesting, and I think it, there was they also really hinted at the importance of Jess George, which I found interesting mm. because I think he's a figure that people don't know an awful lot about, um, mm. but I think he's as important as anybody else at the football club. You know, he's right there at the top, kind of overseeing an awful lot, and. You know, we saw a snippet of Jez from the uh, on the uh, on the fans forum for what value they are now. Um, you know, they're a great PR exercise, but in terms of information, I don't think fans forums are particularly revealing anymore. Um, but it was nice to see Jez there, and obviously our aim is to to get him on the show. Yeah, that was that was discussed. Um, it's it's uh, it's a definite plan. Uh, we just need to again sort of work out a few timings and and things like that, and hopefully um, we can we can get Jez on and and like you say, get a bit more of an understanding about um, his his role at the club and and a few other things because he is that sort of mystery man. I mean, I made a very very unflattering comparison um, when we were sat with uh, with Clive and Liam, and I thought, uh, yeah, that um, not necessarily the. Uh, I think I think I said he was a bit like the um, the Dominic Cummings in the way that you've got the yeah, the guy behind the scenes. Yeah. No, it didn't. And I was like, no, no. not in the, not in what he does, but you know the, the way that you can tell that he's important, but you're not entirely sure yeah. how. It's, it's like saying though yeah. he's elusive, isn't he? He's a bit like that Peter Sutcliffe was in the seventies. It's not. It's not <laughs> a good comparison. You can't say things like that. Um, no, no, you know, I, I I prefer to see him like he's almost like the the director at times you know you, you've got some very visible people but he's kind of there certainly uh, important in terms of player recruitment in terms of the youth setup um but he's very silent on the on the whole subject it'll be good i i will be intimidated because he looks an awful lot like my old area manager at Juicens, who used to kick my ass whenever i did anything wrong which usually was weekly um <laughs> so I'm going to be a little bit overawed, but again, that's that's further down the line. And obviously, we we can't say too much, but we do have an ex-player hopefully lined up very soon as well. Um, yep, I've just got to thrash the details out for that. So no, they're good. And uh, look, I think the one thing that we don't want to do is we don't want to lose the bread and butter of the pod as well. Someone said to me the other day, um, "Yeah, why didn't you do a pod last week? We did the Clive one. No, but why didn't you do a normal pod?" And I think. Um, you know, we're, we're not just going Billy big time, are we, with guests? We're doing our normal pod as well. But the nature of life is that if we do a live one or if we do a, a guest, it's going to be really hard yeah. to then churn another one out in the same week. It's a lot of work. Well, for yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I think, me. I think the, yeah, <laughs> I think the plan was for me was that I, I wanted to get everything uh, sort of done and dusted Um on the same night that we recorded last week for the, no, the um, you, you, want the to play, but it, you want to play video games for 24 hours at the weekend. That was what it was. 
Uh, no, I did that. <laughs> I did that because I'm a wonderful human being that uh, you know helps people. Exactly. And, yes, uh, you are. But no, I just crammed too much into last week, and unfortunately, yeah. it meant that we had to uh, we had to sort of snip out uh, the the regular podcast. Ben is a human um, too. <laughs> as much as much as it'd be hard to believe yes it's, it's very true um so yeah i'd, I'd just reiterate the, the thanks that we gave last week um you know obviously liam and clive for, for coming in and sitting with us for the best part of two and a half hours overall um the club um michael appleton for giving up his office for the evening um and everyone that sort of helped us put that together because it was uh, it was really good Although um, I am going to make a very quick observation about somebody in the manager's office, and this is going to need sorting if we're ever to do anything with them again. Um, there was some tea and coffee making facilities, which nobody other than me actually took advantage of, and I had two. Um, but there was coffee in the sugar. And I know that sounds incredibly <laughs> trivial, but it's not, no, you're laughing. But my, my, my missus made a point the other day, Fee made a point the other day. She goes, people who don't make their bed in the morning – have a certain outlook on life and people who make their bed have a different one. And then it came on the television that people who make their bed in the morning are preparing for the, for the world and they're putting on, they tend to be more successful. So I've started making my bed. People who allow bits of coffee to go into their sugar and not worrying about their impact on other people. And that is a major concern to me. I don't drink coffee. I drink tea. I drink sugary tea. But when I have to navigate round a sugar bowl just to get sugar out, <laughs> Now, I'm not blaming Michael because he's a big bloke, so I'm definitely not blaming <laughs> Michael. I'm not sure if I can have David Kerslake or not. I've not seen him, but again, it might not be him either. So I'm going to have to, whoever the smallest member of the uh, coaching staff is, it's his fault. <laughs> uh, I, 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 it does annoy me as well. Yeah, it really does. Like you, you say, you got to get, a, you, I mean, I, I drink coffee, but if I'm getting some sugar out for something, it's like, oh, no. Just one little, it, it's like a little turd, isn't it? Just a little turd in on the yeah, sand. You go, oh. okay. So it's got a bit about poo. Sorry. Do you know what I found in my sugar the other day? Was it poo? A dried mealworm. Oh, because wonderful. I, yeah, and I know this is going to be driving Pete Summers crazy because we're not talking about football. Um, but yeah, I I make we I make wheat abix for my chickens and then put dried mealworm on top and a bit of sugar as well. And somehow a dried mealworm got into the sugar. So anyway, oh. should we talk about football? Yeah, let's let's have a look at uh, let's have a look at the Gillingham game. Obviously, I I wasn't there because I was off being Bono or something. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it it sounded like a a, a better performance. Um, and there was obviously a couple of notable exceptions which we'll come to. Um, but yeah, it sounded like a, a much improved performance over last week. Yeah, I thought so. Um, chances were few and far between. It, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a, the thriller in Melilla. It was um, it was tepid at times. But I think that we were much more controlled. We moved the ball about nicely. We Our passing was relatively accurate. Um, stats fans, 70% accuracy compared to 58 from Gillingham. Uh, we had a couple of great chances, one of which was, was Anthony Scully's at the back stick, which it looked mm-hmm. like he shanked it. And being fair, I'm now having seen the replay, it looks like he's tried to put it near post. Um, rather than fire it across the goalkeeper, which you can kind of understand. He, he tried to be cute with the finish. Uh, and then Harry's header, which was clawed away. Um, they mm. had more shots, believe it or not. We had seven, they had 11, but um, we had far better accuracy. Three, Seven with three on target. They had 11 with two on target. I wasn't impressed with Gillingham. Um, people said they were they were like us last season. Mm, uh, uh, it's a stretch. But I know the conditions didn't help. 
And some Gillingham fans uh, after the game were saying that we had set up for a draw and all this sort of thing. Uh, they played four three one two, so they had they had seven, you know, three holding midfielders and more or less across three across the midfield, four across the back. Um, they were quite good at the dark arts, pushing, shoving, elbows, arms round. I'm not saying that we're soft, and I'm not saying that we're angels. A um, couple of brutal tackles. Uh, one on George Grant, which from uh, from Barry Fuller, and one Jake Hesketh should have walked. Horrendous yeah. challenge. Um, it was yeah, it was for me. Do you know what it was? A, it was a typical League Two game, and and I know that we're League One, but that's what it was. It was two sides showing flashes of quality, but also absolutely determined not to not to lose. And I think when you come away with a nil-nil draw, and every single fan who came away from the ground would, would have been going, "Oh yeah, it was a decent draw for us." Um, I think that pretty much says everything. But Lincoln baffle me at the minute. You know, we go away to Accrington Stanley, the seven goals, you know, RXG is through the roof. Uh, and then you, you come at home to Gillingham and there's no goals. And the collective XG for two both sides is, is worse than at any point this season. And I just think, you know, stats can tell one story. And I know I've been pillared for uh, battered for it a little bit this week. Um, but the stats say everything. You know, we tried to pass the ball around more, more accurately. But in the end, it, we looked like a team who were low on confidence, even when we got the opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. But sounds silly, but not in a bad way, because we still managed to take point, a really valuable point. You know, a team who are out of sorts lose that game. A team that are low on confidence but still know what they're doing draw it. And I think that's mm-hmm. where we are. So, um, really important going into the next week uh, that you know, Michael's working on the training ground and I think we'll see some improvement um, but it certainly wasn't the worst performance this season yeah I mean it, it as I said from everything that I saw I mean the highlights were weren't great and I know that might be indicative of the game but I think it was it was one where I think everyone that's everyone that I've seen and spoken to mentioned about Teo's uh, second yellow card that by all accounts was just ridiculous um and i think i I don't know like it's hard to it's hard to comment too much without obviously being in the game so um, well well, going on to the teo yellow card i thought i thought the referee was inconsistent all afternoon um yeah he should have sent jake hesketh off in my opinion he should have sent barry fuller off Uh, i don't i think it was barry fuller correct me if i'm wrong it might have been connor ogilvy um I actually didn't think Michael Boswick's challenge was a red card, but I know Steve Evans certainly did. I didn't really see the Teo incident. Um, he's been booked. I don't know if he's reacted. I've, I've tried to look on a replay. It's inconclusive. But, you know, the referee's made a rod for his own back there because he stormed over with his yellow card. Common sense. If he knows he's booked Teo, you know, there's no need to send him off there. There's no arms raised. There's no head gone in. The challenge wasn't a bad one. Um, to be mm-hmm. fair, if Liam Bridcup doesn't try and be fancy and just puts his foot through the ball and gets it down the line, there's no issue anyway. You know, it's, it, I mean, Bridcup had a decent game, but he gave the ball away. And I think, you know, there's all sorts of contributory factors. Um, but I just felt that the referee all afternoon was just niggly, didn't let the game go. I mean, there was a couple of drop balls that he seemed to get completely wrong. And it surprised me because I've actually rated Tom Neal in the past. I think he's one of the young referees that comes through. Um, but I think we saw a young referee who... I don't know whether he was affected by Evans and Rayner or not. I know he booked Evans early doors, which you would think shuts the 
the lump the lump up. But um, you know, the referee didn't win or lose as the game. It was it was just a typical two teams scrapping for points. But you would never have put looking at them. You would never have put them in the top ten or twelve or whatever they are. They haven't got the quality for that. They're just excuse my language, they're just shithousing their way up the table. And that's arguably what people say Danny and Nicky did. And I think it's yeah. easier to make comparisons now between Danny and Nicky's antics on the sidelines and Rayner and Evans. But he's just Rayner. Oh, yeah. But Danny and Nicky are too, without sounding funny, but Danny and Nicky, two young, up-and-coming coaches, good-looking blokes. Do you know what I mean? Uh, perhaps... <laughs> no, go one way about it, and then you've got your bloody—I wouldn't say Batman and Robin, but Fat Man and Bobbin on the bloody sidelines, bounding up and down. You know, all animated, face screwed up, like they're doing one of those gurning competitions in the northwest. It's—it's yeah, easy. It's easy, as I said before, it's easy to dislike Rayner and Evans, but you know they're obviously doing something right. I mean, it's not attractive football, but they're doing something right. And mm. I mean, it's. You know, as much as we, as much as we don't like him, and as much as everything gets said about him, particularly you know by the by the fans during the games, he's he, he does it and he he gets results. I mean, a lot of the time people say, "Oh, yeah, he doesn't get results if you don't give him money." But it's the other way around. It's the other way around. His best results have come like Rotherham. He wasn't Rotherham had a budget, but they weren't the sort of blow away budget that he had at Crawley or Peterborough or Mansfield, and he did really really well at Rotherham. Um, Crawley did have a decent budget, but he did well. Uh, Leeds, you know, he did. it's a different kettle of fish managing up there. Mansfield and Peterborough, he had too much money. Give Evans too much money, he will buy too many things. He's like a greedy child that he'll go in a toy shop and if he's got 10 quid, he'll spend 10 quid on everything else and still come out of the shop kicking and screaming because he wanted to spend 20 quid. Put him on a budget and the man can get the better. He can get good stuff out of players. He really can. And, you know, I said that their football's not particularly attractive and people were saying, oh, it was big hoof, big hoof the whole time. Do you know what, in actual fact, we played 62 long balls and 20% were accurate. They only played 70, 27 accurate. So they only actually played eight more long balls than we did in the whole game. So, you know, they do what they do well. And perhaps those people that are saying that, and including me a minute ago, saying that they're spoilers and things like that, it's not, not entirely accurate, not entirely I mean, I think the other thing as well is when you when you look at the um, you look at the style of play that was that was played on Saturday. I don't know how typical that is of Gillingham this season, but obviously, the, like you say, the weather would have had a massive impact on on the game and how it was played. And I think it it almost sounds a bit to me like it was like the weather just kind of had almost a bit too much of an impact um, in terms of the, the football that was going to be played. Maybe uh, well, going back, yeah, they. they you know they they did play far fewer passes against us than they have in their last games. So they played two hundred and forty against us, uh, three hundred and twenty against Southend, three hundred and sixty nine against Doncaster. Uh, but then at home uh, away at Blackpool, only one hundred and ninety seven. And I think Evans has been around long enough to be he's a chameleon amongst all of the other things that you want to call him. Um, he can, I was going to say, that's not the word I would use that, st- that begins with C. No. <laughs> he, he's, you know, he, he can switch things up and he knows how to nullify and he knows how to uh, win games as well. So, you know, again, again, South End, yes, they played you know, 70 or 80 more passes. They had more possession because they knew they were going to have to against a team like South End. They come to us and they know 
you know, they're letting us have possession. And it's arguably what we did against some teams last year, Forest Green notably, let them have possession. I mean, we went and won 2-0 at Forest Green last year. And Forest Green tried playing out from the back the whole game. And every time they did, our, our lads closed them down and, um, with the high press. And Gillingham were happy to let us have the ball. They didn't even particularly press us that high. They did it, you know, when the ball first came out. But they were happy to let us have the ball in the final, th- in the in our third. I mean, it, we we weren't bad. I didn't think from playing out from the back at all. But they were just they were happy to do it. They were happy to get their draw. And I don't think that's you know, when people say, "Oh, well, you were happy to get a point." I don't think that should be used detrimentally. I don't think fans should use that as a, as, a, as a battering stick because yeah of course yeah we need points a draw is better than a defeat we were happy with a draw I don't think we set up to draw I think we went out to win the game I think if anything they set up to draw but is that so negative really mm. you know they, we had 56% of possession and the last time that Gillingham had less, uh, less possession than their opponent was when they played Blackpool and won 3-2 it's exactly the same thing that they did but when they've played at home against Doncaster, more possession, more passes. When they've played away at South End, more possession, more passes. So Evans adjusts. He's a clever manager. I, I, I don't like praising Steve Evans, especially not after seeing you know the ridiculous um, outfit that he was wearing, and he doesn't do himself any favors at all. But can't take it away from him. He did. He managed Gillingham perfectly at the weekend. Yeah, and it just uh, it, it leads us nicely on to the the afters. Um, at the end, it sounded like it was uh, sounded like it was quite amusing, um, particularly with people that were relatively close to the action, as it were. Apparently, uh, Michael had some very choice words for Steve. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, let, let's let's focus on one of the the omissions, if you like, because there's been a lot of talk this week. Um, obviously, we. Um, we talked about it before the podcast last week, um, but we didn't put it out about uh, Michael's comments towards Jason Shackle. Now, or well, the veiled comments um, towards Jason Shackle. Uh, it was fairly obvious at the time um, that he was sort of picking Jason out and, and hanging him out to dry at the time. Is there, I mean, is there any chance that he plays for Lincoln again? Um. Yeah, of course, there's a chance while he's a Lincoln player. Um, there's a chance that Lee Frecklington will. There's a chance that Tom Pett will because they're still contracted to us. They're more likely to appear for, Link, to Link, for Lincoln uh, than me and you are, for instance. Um, if you're asking me, do I think Jason Shackle will play for Lincoln again? No, probably not. Uh, but if Kim Bolger and Michael Boswick both get injured, there's going to be no choice. Depends which which sort of rumour you, you, you tend to believe. I mean, I've heard that he's had a, a fallout with... Um, with Michael Appleton, but then, you know, people start those sorts of baseless rumours, as we know, idiots saying that Callum Connolly was on eight grand a week, which <laughs> most ludicrous thing that's ever been suggested to me. Um, and, and that, you know, that, it's the same people that said, oh, George Grant's down tools when Danny left, when he obviously hadn't. So, you know, I don't think that there would have been a particularly big bust up because I think Jason Shackle's a professional. Do I think he'll play again? Probably not. But, you know, injuries might dictate. If, we were safe and Michael Boswick got injured. I think that we'd bring Timothy Aoma in. If we still needed points and Boswick or Bolger got injured, potentially Shackle comes back in just for the level of experience. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't know what to, like I say, I don't really know what to believe, but it was, um, it was certainly a, well, it was a, a bit of a volley, wasn't it? From Michael in terms of, uh, it was very, very pointed, um, and it was 
you know, I, I think anybody in Shaq's position probably would have not necessarily felt aggrieved because I, I think personally it was warranted. Um, what was you know what was said? It's when you've you've had players that have. Uh, been in that position and, and you continue to put your faith in them I think Michael said um, and when they let you down it's it's frustrating and you know you, you can't you can't really disagree with him on that but um, I, I'd be sad if it was you know if, if we didn't see um, Shackle playing the Lincoln shirt again but it, it is just one of those things at the minute where he's he's not had the best run he's, he's not making the right decisions and ultimately it seems to have cost him his uh, cost him his place and I was I was delighted to see Bozzy back really was um, and by all accounts he, he absolutely stormed it in, uh, on Saturday yeah I, do you know what I don't even think I don't think Shackles particularly made bad decisions um, I think collectively as a defence we haven't made good decisions I think um, I just don't think that Jason Shackle is the same player as he was last year I think Old mother time is knocking on the door, um, you know, and it seems silly to say that at thirty-five or whatever he is. Yeah, it was always a gamble. It was a gamble last year, and he came mm. through because he, he looked every inch the professional that he had been. You know, we're now in League One. He played a lot of his football in the Championship, so it's only one level below what he was used to playing at for for lots of his career. And you know, I, I just think it's a stretch too far against some some strikers. Um, mm. Sunderland didn't do Shackle any favours but you know against Accrington okay he gave away a penalty it was a dubious penalty but he gave it away yes there was the own goal but the cross should never have come in anyway it was easy to hang him out because he was at the end of it he was at the end of the goal he was on the end of the penalty and then he got forward and scored um, but yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a big one for hanging players out to dry. Um, certainly mm. not for a manager to do it, but Michael has his style. And, um, you know, I, I think we take heart from the fact that the players that Michael has brought in on permanent deals are beginning, bar one, uh, to look the real deal. Mm-hmm. So, but I just, I sincerely hope that Michael Boswick is, is in line for a new contract because the difference he made was was huge. I mean, if he's not, then that would be. I think it might be at that point where I start to question some decisions, because he's he's been, yeah, he's he's been an absolute rock for us, and I think coming back uh, coming back into the squad in the the way that he did. I mean, we heard um, we sort of heard from from Clyde last week that he came through forty five minutes. I think it was of that friendly. Um, the week uh, the week before, um, but he basically said, you know, it, it, there was no real definite indication that he was going to be back full uh, starting in the squad, um, but it was yeah, it sounded like he was very very much uh, the the piece that seems to have been missing a little bit. Yeah, we've known it. You know, we've known we've seen Michael Boswick enough. Uh, we know what he brings. He brings a certain calmness. I think um, you know and this. I, I don't mind us playing out from the back, and I think he's a little bit more direct in the way he plays. You know, he, he gives the ball, but then he, I don't know. There's something about Michael Boswick and the way that he is. You know, he's this big, fearsome character. But then when Callum uh, Callum Connolly, Connor Coventry played a, a misplaced pass in the first half, he went over, put his arm around him, comforted yeah. him, and you know, I, I I just respect that. And I think that Michael's mm. a big character behind the scenes, and I think that. He's still got a couple of years of League One football left in him. And unfortunately, I think he's got to a point where Jason Shackle probably hasn't. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
that's uh, that's the Gillingham game covered, and I think um, really we've we've I say we've not got a game uh, to look forward to this week due to the uh, the very situation at the start of the season. So we put a quick call out for questions, um, and we've got a few. Um, I believe you've got the first one, which was DM'd to you. Yes, I have indeed. Uh, please, you reminded me. So this is from Julian Buttery, mm-hmm. uh, and he has put, what is your predicted points total for the Imps at the end of the season? Are your top two playoff candidates and who will go down with Bolton South End? Um, predicted points is, is, is tough, to be honest. I, I prefer to look at... Um, Position, I think league position wise, I think seventeenth there or thereabouts. Wow. Um, you know, points. It's quite tough to call. I think more than the bottom three. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that more than the bottom three. I would certainly hope uh, top two and playoff candidates. I mean, I, you know, I think I think Coventry are going to be there or thereabouts. I think they look really good. Um, I think Rotherham are certainly going to be knocking on the door of the top two as well. Uh, in terms of the playoffs, you know, or, or again, the, the top two, Sunderland um, won't be too far away. Uh, I think Wickham will fall away. Uh, Oxford, I think now, will struggle a little bit with the players that they've they've lost. So Fleetwood, mm-hmm. potentially Peterborough. Um, Ipswich are struggling. I can't see Ipswich doing it. But my, my top two, my favourites for promotion uh, would be Rotherham and Coventry, I think. Yeah, I think I'd probably say that as well. Like the top two, I can't really, I can't really see much changing between them, except maybe them swapping positions with each other. Obviously, Coventry game in hand at the minute, so probably say that. Um, but then when it comes to the, uh, the the playoff spots, like you, I just think I think Wickham are probably going to start falling away. Um, Gareth Ainsworth did an interview. Um, I think it was this week or last week where they basically said, oh, you know, are you disappointed in how it's falling away? And he said, absolutely not. This is a fantastic season, given where they were the start of it. You know, it's it's um, it seems like they're having success beyond what they imagined. And they've also had the takeover off the field. So maybe ones to watch next season. Well, they are third. Um, I mean, they are third and only two points off the top. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, but then, then they're only, four, you know, they're only four points off seventh. So... It's, it's, uh, or five points off eighth, you know. With all that's yeah, yeah. Oh, I missed out Portsmouth know, it's, it's, as well. Actually, Portsmouth are on a really good run. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd personally the, the four that I'd pick for the playoffs, um, I would probably say Portsmouth, Sunderland, um, Peterborough, and Fleetwood. I think that that's going to be the four for me. Um, what about the the the, uh, the team going down with Southend and Bolton? I might. And I know that there's a big gap. I know uh, there's a there's a a chunky looking gap. I think between uh, probably the bottom, well, obviously Tranmere on twenty six and five points to Wimbledon. I actually think Tranmere might stay up. I think Wimbledon might go down. Um, we shall see. Mm. You know that that win for Tranmere last night will kick start them big style, uh, mm. and. You know they've got the six pointer coming up against us as well. I just yeah, for me, I'd I'd, I'd be worried if I was Wimbledon. I'd be a little bit worried, I think, if I was Rochdale as well. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, and bear in mind Rochdale are only six points behind us, having played two games fewer. So you know if they were to win their two games, then fair enough, they'd be up with us on on thirty nine points. But yeah, for me, I think it's um, it's Tranmere or Wimbledon, and I'd probably Wimbledon. Yeah, I, I, I agree with the two, but I think out of the two, I, 
just I, I can't really see Tranmere pulling away from it um if I'm honest I know they like you say they had a good win last night and it sounds like it's one of those wins where you get a late goal and it's everyone's just surging everyone's feeling great at the end of it and it it's whether they can carry it on well think about there was their games okay they've got a tough on Saturday which is Fleetwood but then mm-hmm. in a run of games they've got Accrington Stanley away Blackpool mm-hmm. away us at home Rochdale away Wimbledon away MK Dons at home they're all the teams down as near the bottom yeah, Do you know what I mean? No, that's true. And okay, they're they're running stinks. Rotherham, Gillingham, Oxford, and Tranmere. But yeah, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six games they've got. Which if they were to take three points off Wimbledon, that massively yeah. changes the the the, the complexion. Um, so our game there is huge. But I, I just think with those games that they've got coming on, I mean Blackpool are on their ass. Uh, obviously, Tranmere don't have Bolton or Southend to play, but still, I think I think they've got the sort of run in, and if they can get a bit of belief, a draw against Fleetwood going into the game against Accrington Stanley, potentially a win against Stanley. All of a sudden, they're up and running, you know. And you're looking at when they had three games in hand, and we're going, they're not going to get nine points out of their three games in hand. Say somehow, if they get seven points, you know, we still need mm. to put some wins on the board. As do Rochdale, as do Wimbledon, as do MK Dons need to keep their good runner form up. So Tranmere for me, uh, if if I was a, if I had money to throw around, I wouldn't mind putting a bit of money on them to stay up. But I said that about Bolton at the beginning of the season. So what do I know? <laughs> Didn't want to remind you of that one. No, but, no. Uh, well, you did. You, you wanted to, but you were too polite to. Well, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's. I think that probably sums it up for for us. I think uh, similar ideas. It's just it'll be interesting to see the result of that uh, the, the Wimbledon uh, Tramier game I think that's that's the result that is probably going to swing it um, in my opinion yeah I, mean, I think when you look at um, when you look at the Wimbledon running as well and it's you know that game by the way is at Wimbledon I'll just point that out but I think when you look at the the Wimbledon running they've got Gillingham next uh, they've still got Doncaster they've got Oz they've got Sunderland they've got Wickham uh, they've got uh, Coventry on the last game of the season. There's some tough games there. You know, they host MK Dons. That's not a typical game, is it? That You know, that's like us playing Grimsby. Form goes out the window. They've got to go to Shrewsbury. Now, again, OK, Shrewsbury lost last night. It's not a great place to go. Obviously, they've got to come to us. They've got to go to Rochdale. So, yeah, a lot of the games that you would think that they might win are away. Rochdale, us, um, and, and Shrewsbury. They host the Dons. The one saving grace is they host Bolton a week on Saturday on the seventh, but you know they go to Gillingham this weekend. They only drew they drew nil nil with Blackpool at home, and if you're going to stay up and Blackpool are in the form that they're in, yeah, would would not surprise me to see Wimbledon go instead. Put it this way, we're all looking at Tranmere and saying beat Tranmere and we stay up, beat Wimbledon at Sinsel Bank and pick up another win elsewhere, and I'm confident that we finish above them. Yeah, yeah, and I I think. I I still don't really have any any danger any fear of of us doing what we did in in 2011 like it's I know that's what a lot of people at the minute are pointing to mm-hmm. but I I don't think personally I I've not got that fear um that that did creep in um around that time when the calculator says we're safe we're safe yeah absolutely but I, I I'm not taking anything for granted but I uh, yeah I, I I'm not fearing for the worst just yet okay. and that's saying something coming from me yeah well, i am fearing for the not i'm not fearing the worst 
I'm just acutely aware of how easily it can happen. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, right. So next question um, is from Sam. So Sam Ray says, any match in history you can watch, one must be an imps game and one can be anything. So two, any two matches, is it from history? Yes. And one's got to be an yeah. imps game and one's got to be any other game. Yes. All right. Well, World Cup final 1966, obvious. Yeah. That, um, I think that was that was my obvious one for that one as well. Yeah, definitely. Or I'd quite like uh, to relive it actually there, beating Holland 4-1 uh, in Euro 96. I'd quite like to have been oh, there that nice. day as well. Um, any Lincoln game from history would probably... That's quite tough. There's, there's, there's some big games. I would have to pick the Doncaster uh, 5-0 in 1976 when we clinched the title because I think to clinch the title, to win by record points uh, and for it to be such a, a moment in Lincoln City history. I'd like to have seen that. Um, I'd also like to have seen uh, the day we beat Luton and Billy Cobb got his goals uh, and I would love to have been there the day we beat Crew 11-1 just to see us score 11. <laughs> um, so out of those, which one? Oh. Uh, out of balls. Doncaster, 1976. Fair enough. Um, for me, it would probably have to be when we uh, when we won the uh, when we came back and got promoted into the GM Vauxhall or out of the GM Vauxhall, sorry, because it was it was one of those where I was that was a very young. Uh, what year was it actually? Nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah, so I was I was two. So it was uh, it was well beyond well well before my uh, before my years but to go back there and, and see that I'd love to see that yeah, so I did see um, it. I, I was I, I was there and remember it as well so that's why I didn't pick that but fair enough um or like you say if, if you want to, if you're going into reliving stuff um I know it's recent but I would I'd say it's just just for that feeling at the end it'd be the Ipswich uh, Ipswich replay okay. um so uh, where are we? I've lost the thread. There we go. Next question uh, is from Keith. Keith says, what are the most uh, memorable away venues that you've seen the Imps uh, play at? can be for any game. Um, for Keith, it's number one is Wembley because we won. Two is the Millennium Stadium because of the stadium. And three is FC, Ch- is it Cell? Chelly? Celly? It said FC Cell. Saw Imps play in mainland Europe. Got to meet the players and got on the team photo. Okay, that's interesting. I would think that was probably uh, a pre the preseason friendly with mm. uh, when Keith took them away. I would imagine um, the first one I'm going to pick is uh, rather oddly Bootham Crescent York because it was my first away okay. day. It was the first time I ever went away, uh, and it was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, really, really good day. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Burnley for obvious, obvious mm-hmm. reasons. Um, and then it would be a toss-up. I'm actually going to go Gateshead, uh, but not the day that we won 2-1. Uh, when we won 3-1 in the FA Trophy in the January, mainly because uh, it was my first and only time commentating on a game for um, a radio, an internet radio station. And there was only 113 imps there. And there was just something about it. And, and to then see the same venue become so iconic later in the year, uh, I, I, yeah, for me, that, that kind of made it 
a memorable and integral part of, of that season, I think. Oh, good one. Um, I would, um, in terms of three, I think that obviously the, the, the one for me is Wembley. Um, it's, it's a ground that, you know, my dad didn't get to see, get to see his play out and to, to go there was, uh, was pretty special. Um, the second one, um, it's probably Bellevue, um, Doncaster. The, and it, it was a, you know, piss part of a ground, but, it was the it was the uh, the night we won. I think we won two 0 We did win two um, 0 It was two thousand four, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it absolutely was. hammering it down all day and all night. I think I got soaked wet through, but we got back on the coach afterwards and we just had the best laugh all the way back. Just what a day that was! Um, and I don't know. In, it's difficult to sort of pick it apart between going for the ground and going for the you know the, the reason and the result that you went there for. Um, but if it's just for grounds, I'd, I'd probably agree with Keith and say the uh, the Millennium Stadium as well, despite the fact that it's sort of tinged with some awkward and annoying memories of losing. Well, there we go. It's, for me, it's ruined by the memory of having the bloody roof closed for the first game. It just felt like we were in a big sports hall, and I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hated that. I hated that feeling. Um, and then when we went back, I don't know, I, it, it was a better ground when we went back and it was very, very well organised. But for me, there's something that gets lost in the bigger grounds. And I felt it when we went to Arsenal. You sat there and you're thinking, wow, we're playing in this. And you're looking round. it was the same with Wembley. But it just feels, I don't know, feels like when you go for your day out and have a walk around a stately home and you're looking at it and you're thinking, yeah, it's nice, but you know, I don't, I don't belong here. It's, you know, my best house parties mm-hmm. wouldn't be held in a stately home. They'd be held in something smaller. Do you know what I mean? And that's why I've kind of liked yeah. the grounds. I know I picked Burnley, but you know, Burnley was full. Yeah. There was a reason for that. Yeah. And I know Arsenal was full, but yeah. it's different again. It's yeah. I, I, I like us playing at the big grounds, but if I had to pick any of them, I'd probably, you know, out of, Wembley Millennium Stadium, blah blah blah. I've probably gone for Goodison Park because um, mm. it was, in fact, probably yeah. Goodison Park was was a nice venue as well. But I like those older traditional mm. grounds more than the Emirates, the Millennium Stadium, the New Wembley, etc. Yeah, Main Road was quite nice as well. Yeah, I I cacked myself at Main Road because I went out as poacher and I got running across, <laughs> and these stewards came over and said, "Don't go over to that side." I think it was the Kipax or whatever it was. You know, some bad boys in there get near them and they'll have you. And it's like, okay, no. It was only in my first season as poacher as well. So I had to spend 35 minutes walking across the little bit of strip where there was two, 3,000, 2,000 imps fans or whatever. What the hell do you do? Just keep walking and waving backwards, backwards and forwards. <laughs> Probably. And then we got stuffed 4 0 and Paul Dickoff scored a hat trick. Yeah, I remember that because it was when this third one went in. I think everyone around me just went, oh, dick off. Yeah. It was, yeah. That's quite a, good. Yeah, it's quite a nice um, comedy, that, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Anyway, um, <laughs> Paul says, dickhead. Um, Paul says, given Mike Clapton's uh, obvious change of style, do you think it's down to the pitch or the playing squad that are causing the new, uh, that are causing the perceived problems by some in adopting this new style? Um, the, the pitch hasn't helped it, for sure. Um, there's been a few comments about it, and I, I think it's been it's been noted. So I, I think it's probably a case of the, the players not adjusting to it as quickly as we thought they might have done or as quickly as they thought they might have done, maybe. Um, what about yourself? What do you think on that one? Horses for courses. 
Um, you know, yeah. Michael Appleton's come in. That's the style he wants to play. He's trying the players that we've got. If they're not doing it, he's moving them out. If they are doing it, he's keeping them. I don't, you know, the perceived problems are exactly that perceived problems. Um, if it was the actual problems, then you could, you could look for blame. Um, but I don't, I actually don't think we, we are as bad at playing out from the back as people think we are. Um, I think they look at certain games, at certain slips, at certain mistakes and have this perception um, that mm. we are bad at playing out from the back. But nobody complained about it at all against Gillingham. And, you know, I, I, we did it. Nobody complained against Blackpool when we played out from the mm. back on 1-1-0. I think it's just... I'll be honest, I think a lot of the criticism is just a manifestation of anger at what happened in September still. I think people are still angry. I think people are still grieving for the three years that we had, not for the managers themselves, but I think a lot of people are still grieving for, you know, oh, we're not that team anymore. You know, we're not three trophies in three years. We're not everybody's favourite underdog. We're not get, going forward in all of the cups. And some people, mm. I think, are struggling to adjust to the reality. Yeah, whereas take out those three years when we were in the National League and we were mm. 17th, if somebody had said, I tell you what, in six years' time or in three or four years' time, whatever, you can be 16th or 17th in League One, you can be 13 points clear of relegation coming out of February, uh, but you'll be playing out from the back and you'll be conceding a couple of goals that way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's not very many people who've yeah. gone, no, I'll tell you what, let's just keep lumping it forward towards Ben Tomlinson and drawing 3-3 with Forrest Green and losing 2-0 at home to Woking because, you know, get it forward quickly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'll, I'll be honest, it's, and massive respect to people asking questions, and, and I know it's an issue. I actually get a little bit sick of justifying playing out from the back as a fan. It's what we do. If you don't like it, don't come along and watch yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, it when it works, it works really well. Like, as I think I said after the Blackpool game, it was some of the you know we played some of the best football that I've seen in a very long time, and ultimately we did it because we could get away with it. You know, we could we could play that style of football because Blackpool weren't coming on to us. They weren't um, they weren't pushing. You know, they weren't with that high press, and it was we, we were allowed to play the style of football we wanted to. When we can play that, I think it's absolutely fine. It's just when we when we get the pressure put on us. It, it can be difficult. And I, I mean, look at what happened with MK Dons the yeah. other night. It, it's, it's exactly the same thing. It's, it's, it's an option that we have. It's not like literally every single attack and every single move that we make is starting out playing out from the back. I know it might feel that from some, uh, from some people, but, um, and the final question is kind of an, amalg- well, an amalgamation of two, uh, one's from Andy and one's from Chris, um, both essentially saying similar things. Uh, Chris says, after nearly 80 episodes, did you believe that you two would have such a great bromance at the very beginning? Gary and Ben, still a better romance than Twilight. Um, and Andy says, uh, from its beginnings, two blokes sat in the pants chatting football, you're nearly 80 episodes in. How surprised are you, if at all, how well the pod's taken off and the access you've been granted by the club with interviews, etc.? Um I mean, to answer Chris's first, uh, you might think it's a bromance. I, 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 I think it's a love-hate relationship. Really, I'm not sure which one loves and which one hates, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a friendship. Yeah, it's good. It's a friendship. <laughs> That's what it is. I, I like it. I think our chemistry, not in a uh, sexual way, has grown significantly. Uh, more so when we can't see each other, uh, because I think we're happier being a bit sharper with each other when we can't actually see each other. Um, <laughs> when we do stuff where we sat across the table, I'll say something and I'll see the hurt and despair in Ben's eyes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I feel bad about it, but I don't get to see the hurt and despair when we record remotely. 
Um, so that's quite good. Uh, yeah, I just I just walk away with the sound of silence playing in my head, crying. <laughs> yeah, but it's fine because I've got Jaffa cakes here, so you know I really don't care. <laughs> Tesco's own Jaffa cakes, fifty p for a double pack. I tell you something, Ben. You want to get on those? There'll be no. They're not bad. There'll be no empty silences there. I'll tell you. My dog keeps looking at it, but he can't have chocolate because he feed chocolate to a dog, it dies apparently, or something like that. Anyway, um, true. yeah, yeah. So there we go. Uh, for me. Oh, no, you don't want to the second part, or do you want me to? I'll do it. Fuck it. Uh, well, I, I was going to say, like, in terms of the, the access and stuff, um, it, it, I'm surprised. Um, I'd, I'd probably say I'm a, probably more surprised than you are um, because you've obviously had the blog for, you know, for a while. And um, it it's weird. Like, it, I've said to you before, it, it does seem a bit weird sometimes, um, sort of being like a fan that's got more access than some normally would have. Um but I, I'm I'm quite surprised at how well it's taken off. I'm, I'm surprised now that I get you know people will sort of come up to me at the ground or will you know will say um, if I'm you know if, if they're queuing up for some food or whatever they go oh yeah listen to the podcast it's, oh great cool thank you and you know I, again had people in town come up to me randomly and and say stuff so it's it's nice it's a nice feeling um, but I'm I'm just glad that people enjoy it you know that's that's the reason that we do it um, we're not doing it to you know, we're not doing it to make any money from it. We're not doing it to to increase our stature or anything like that, as as some people probably have, as you know, have, have themselves believe. But it's uh, we do it because it's fun, and we do it because people seem to enjoy it. So well, at least see, that's why I do. I it. see, see, we a lot there, Ben. Um, I'm all in it for me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, in terms of the access, no, I'm not surprised because we we support a really good football club, and I don't think you know, we I don't think that the level of access that we get when you said there, you know, that others others aren't afforded. Everybody's afforded a certain level. I think anybody that wanted to go in and chat to Liam about something could, and the fact is because mm. we're broadcasting something, he's, he's he and the rest of the club are very happy to to become involved in that. And when you think about Radio Lincolnshire, that you know they get all sorts of access when you think about Lisa with Cowley versus Cowley and stuff like that. So we, we, we work with, uh, and we report on, or we talk about a, an accessible football club. Um, mm. and yeah, I must mention Liam, uh, Scully, I've, I've, I've got to, because he takes so much stick, but since I was worried, um, because a lot of my early access came from Danny and Nikki, you know, got to know Danny and Nikki very, very well. Uh, and they kind of used to push things and Danny would ring me up and he, oh, that, that was my access. And when, when Liam came in, he's really bridged that because, you know, it didn't stop with Danny and Nikki until they left, but then there was always Liam saying, do you want to come in and record something for the site? Do you want to do the podcast? Do you want to do live podcasts? All this sort of stuff. So, you know, it gets an awful lot of stick, but a lot of what we, the access that we are granted starts with him. And he's just, you know what? Yeah. He's a nice bloke. He, he is. He's a nice bloke. And you might see him as the milk snatcher listening to this. You might think him as, you know, Sally's grand scully and all that sort of stuff. You might think of him as Mr. Corporate, but all that's crap. He's just a decent bloke trying to do his job. And people say, oh, you know, mm. all those decisions Liam makes. Liam, Liam doesn't make decisions. Liam puts things to the board for the board to make the decisions on, like the 60 to 65 season ticket. You know, it's, 
He just delivers the bad news. Um, am I surprised mm. that people listen to the podcast? Yes, I am, because I can't bring myself to listen to more than one episode in a row without cringing, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I can't, honestly. I listen to one episode of it. It's just like, oh, Jesus Christ, I wish that ginger-bearded bastard had shut up. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised. And like you, I, I mean, I had quite a few come up to me on Saturday to say, I like the dog walks. And I, I, that's, I don't know if you've seen them, but I kind of I walk the dog and I basically just point a camera at myself and talk about Lincoln. And it, it baffles me what people will listen to. They'll listen to two people like me and you for an hour talking about Lincoln. And then the next morning, they're happy to log on and watch me talking about Tom Hopper for 14 minutes while occasionally turning around and shouting my dog. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I find it flattering. I will never take for granted the fact that people are interested in what I have to say and what you have to say never take it for granted at all and if anything it drives me to be more reflective um less reactionary and 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 always trying to be balanced so yeah good questions I mean let, let's face it though I mean you're they're, they're here to listen to what you've got to say I'm just here for the sex appeal that's that's all it is yeah I did hear half of that uh, from somebody the other day just <laughs> uh, um just you know <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna imagine that it's the half that I want it to be. That's fine. Yeah, you. You want it's your silky tones. Your well, my mate Dave actually, who I mentioned earlier, had said I don't really listen to podcasts. I've only started recently, guys, and I started listening to you while I was sat on the toilet the other day, and I liked it. <laughs> and I'm kind of thinking I don't know whether he likes the toilet or listening to the podcast. Um, and then he said, how on his day off, he drove to Tesco's and he was listening to the pod, and he sat in Tesco's car park for 15 minutes before he went into Tesco's. And it's kind of, and then he said, yeah, and I watched your dog walk video. It's like, right. He goes, so I thought I'd call you this afternoon, see how you are. It's like, you spent all day listening to my voice. And now we're going to have 50 minutes on the phone where you can listen to it some more. Oh dear. But no, it's, it's it is massively appreciated. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. Cause I think I said to you probably a good six months or so at some point before we before we actually started, I think I might have said to you, you know, um, would you fancy, if you ever fancy doing a podcast, let me know. And then I think randomly said to you before one of the games, said, you know, if you, if you ever want to do one. And then we said, yeah, let's give it a try. And here we are, like you say, 80 episodes nearly later. Yeah, not, uh, not how I remember. I remember you mentioned a podcast and then I remember taking four months trying to find someone else to do it with. Um, and everybody, <laughs> everybody kept saying no, and then you kept on at me, and I, kept, I changed my number a couple of times and my email address, uh, and I even stopped going to games for a while because. But in the end, um, you found me, and uh, no, no, <laughs> it, it's odd because just I had actually back in the conference years there was a. Uh, a chap wanted to do a podcast and he got me, Pete Hayward, involved and we did one episode and it didn't really go any further than that. And then uh, Tom Williams, good friend of mine, um, who's written for the site, also wanted to do one. And we recorded a uh, a one episode podcast in my mum's dining room in Netland once. <laughs> but again, that didn't go anywhere. And I was absolutely desperate to start one. And I did. I spoke to the young lad that did the We Are Imps site. Uh, whether would he be interested uh, and you had men- you mentioned it to me the same sort of week and at the time it was like well can we can we do it as a three was in my head and then he came back and said oh, I'm going to concentrate on my content and then um, you were like look I, you know you're up for it and uh, it's like yeah absolutely you know I was looking I think the idea had always been there it's about looking for the right person uh, and obviously you and I know each other a little from from old when you were in the band but certainly more from Nathan onwards you know I just think, yeah, yeah. Just, it works well. It surprises me that we've got to so many episodes, but I couldn't imagine um, not 
recording a podcast once every week or so now. I just could. It would be, it would be horrible to think that we didn't have the podcast. It really would. Oh, that's really nice. Oh, yeah. But no, no, I know what you mean. Like it, it's sort of. It. I think for a while it was. Um, on the way out from work, sending you a quick text saying still regular time and everything, but now it's just taken for granted and I'm only going to text you if I'm going to be late. Yeah, that's basically it. Or if you go into a gig or if you're not feeling well or uh, whatever else. Hey, I've, I've not missed a podcast because I'm not feeling well. Not for a while. I don't think I have anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, you had your mouth, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> anyway, we do have one final question, Ooh. which wasn't on Twitter. Um, it's been sent directly to me um, by my lovely wife, whose birthday it is today. Uh, it says, when are you going to be finished recording so we can go to Nando's? <laughs> oh, do you know what? Right, and this is really bad, and I know Fee doesn't listen, so bugger it. Um, but I've had such a lousy day. Uh, as you know, I lost all the fish in my fish tank, and I've just been rushing around everywhere. So I'm actually going for a Chinese on my own. Oh. I'm going to go, and not only that, I'm going to get my usual, which is chicken in satay sauce with no veg and chips, uh, and I'm also going to get their special chow mein as well that I can heat up for lunch tomorrow. I am a fat man. <laughs> well, there you go. So, yeah, we're going to head to Nando's very shortly. Um, the answer, and, you know, it's probably going to be a bit useless by the time she listens to it, because she'll have eaten it, but it's, it's it's soon. Now. Yeah, it's soon, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you um, to everyone for listening for a completely non-football talk for the last 10 minutes. Um, there's no payoff. There's no football coming afterwards. You basically just wasted the last 10 minutes, but um, we appreciate it anyway. She has just appeared at the door um, with a massive grin on her face and a huge thumbs up because she, she could uh, hear me from downstairs. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you, your, your, your wife, Rachel, is the only person in the world who actually gets to hear every pod live. She's the only person who is the live studio audience every week. She she gets to hear one half of the podcast live. <laughs> the best half, surely. The sex, the sex <laughs> appeal half. Yeah, that's odd because she's yes. the only one that tunes in for your sex appeal, I think, as well. So. I mean, even that's debatable, let's be fair. Um, <laughs> we, we need to cut that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that's going to do us uh, for the week. Thank you to everyone who uh, who got involved and chipped in for the game last stream. Um, as Gary said, we um, you know we did that for uh, a full twenty four hours, and we managed to raise well over a thousand pounds for for special effect, who are a fantastic charity. So thank you very much. Um, I think there's a couple of people that have uh, mes- messaged from the site that have got some stuff, so that'll be all posted out shortly. Um, is there anything else you want to mention? No, I just want to say congratulations to Jake, who is our um, roving reporter. He was out Friday night, got leathered, and didn't bring his jacket or record anything after Gillingham. Uh, but he's just got his first full-time job in uh, football media, writing for the company I used to work for, Football League World. So he's got big shoes to fill. Apparently, in his interview, uh, they told him that they were looking for the next Gary Hutchinson. Uh, so oh, I'm starting to save my beard clippings for him, uh, and I'm teaching <laughs> him how to verbally abuse Ben. Cool. Um, I'll look forward to that one, and hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully I can deflect it uh, just as well, and just... it won't eat away at me while I try and get to sleep at night. While you eat your Nando's. Um... <laughs> yeah, I'm off to Nando's. All right, guys, we'll see you next Cheers week. All. Bye. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow 
You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.